Well, guys, um, you know, as you know, we've been in this sermon series now, this, uh, this spiritual warfare uh, sermon series for a couple of weeks. Um, and I got to be able to get up here on, on week one of this, of this uh, message, and I, I got to give like an overview of the, the topic of spiritual warfare. We kind of took this, you know, view from 10,000 feet or whatever, this overall um, you know, look at, at what spiritual warfare is. And uh, we talked about, uh, specifically, we talked about these three main areas that, that we, we face this kind of an attack in our life um, that are laid out in this passage here in Ephesians 2. Um, but we see these things that the world, the flesh, and the devil, and they're all listed here in this. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in, what, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So after that, in week two, we talked about the system of the world and how it's at odds with God's will. It's a, it's, a, it's a system that is built on open rebellion to God through instant gratification and, and pride and greed and selfishness and, and, and all these kind of things. And, and we learned that simply by pursuing what our hearts desire rather than what God's heart desires that, that we are sinful. And how often do we hear that? Right? We hear this idea of, you know, just follow your heart, right? That seems so nice and, 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 and warm and welcoming, this idea of follow your heart. But in reality, that's terrible advice. And the Bible explains that to us. You know, it's not difficult to look around and see these examples of the world actively, intentionally pushing back against God and conflicting with the will of God. And then in week three, we, we, tur- we, uh, we learned about the flesh, right? Like it talks about, about here, the passions um, of our flesh and the, the sinful nature that already exists in every single one of us, um, whether we want it to or not, right? That moment that we were born and our parents looked at us and held us and thought, oh, wow, this is, you know, uh, this perfect little, little baby couldn't do anything wrong. The reality is that we were already, uh, we had that as part of our DNA, this, this nature about us. Ever since original sin in the garden, this, this sin nature has been passed down to each of us in our, in our DNA, in our bloodstream, and we are automatically sinners. So, you know, if there's a system that's opposed to God, then it makes sense then, right, that, that there would be somebody who leads that opposition. Now, I don't have a, a, a slide for it, but we've, we've hopefully all, you know, we've heard that, um, that passage out of Ephesians 6 that, that talks about, um, that, you know, that we are at war with spirits and, and principalities in Ephesians 6.12. Um, and, you know, but this, this passage right here where it says the, the prince of the power of the air. This, in this verse, this is a reference to Satan himself and to the demonic forces that he commands. And so we're going to look at this 
today, this third part of this spiritual warfare trifecta or trilogy or something. Um, and so this, this first part, this first part of this, come on, really, is this. Um, this is the, the sermon series today is all about Satan and, and his demons. So we're going to explain what Satan is and what he's not, right? And we'll talk about demons in, in general a bit. See, there's a lot of these, these, these ideas that we have out there about, about who Satan is. Um, and we've all seen, the, you know, cartoon images of him or, or whatever, um, and sort of maybe have this in the back of our mind. From when we were little, we had that, right? Satan's a, this devil, this little devil with, you know, with horns and a pitch, a pitchfork and like a pointy tail and a cape and, and stuff. But, but in reality, um, we don't really, we don't really get a lot of, of information about, uh, about Satan in, in the Bible. There's not a lot in there, um, but there is some. And since our core value here at Alpine Church, our core values, our number one core value um, is that we look to God and God's word in all that we do. Um, that's what we're gonna do today, right? If you haven't seen that uh, list of core values, it's, it's up on the wall out in the, um, in the lobby, but it's also something we post on our website and stuff. And, and, and really, um, that's the first one. Like, why wouldn't we start off with God's word to find out what we're supposed to do? And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look straight to scripture to learn about, about God and also to learn about Satan and who he is. But I just want to remind you that we do have some Bibles at the back of the building, at the back of the room back here. You're welcome to go grab one and use it for the service, or you could take it home. If you want to take it home, that's fine. I've got lots that I can put back out there. But really, that's what we need to be do, uh, doing. Every time you hear a, a message up here, it's important that we go and we take the Bible and we check on it, right? Anything that I give you, I want you to go and take that and do your own research and do your own homework and make sure that that's what it says. There's also a, a printout back there that you can grab that you can use to go through this with your, with your family later on in the week. It's got a lot of these verses and, and these points on it and, and uh, that sort of thing. Um, and it really is important that we do that homework, that we, that we do research it, because this is an important topic. As we read in, in that verse, Satan is very real. Demonic activity is, is very real. It's as real today as it was back in Jesus' time. And throughout God's word, we, uh, we see that Satan and his demons are referenced as real. In the gospels, we see um, we see this story about Jesus being led to the wilderness by Satan so he could be tempted for 40 days, right? Satan was very real in that situation. And, and then later on, uh, right before Jesus is, is uh, crucified, we see that he's, he's talking with, with uh, his disciples and he, he's letting them know that, you know, he's going to have to be turned over to the authorities and that he's going to be killed. And, and, and the apostle Peter argues, he protests and says, no way, we're not, you know, there's no way that we're going to let that happen. And Jesus rebukes him and he says, get behind me, Satan. Not because Peter is Satan, but because Peter was demonstrating the traits of, of Satan by, by promoting his will rather than the will of God, okay? And so Satan is very, very real. But like I, like I said, um, demonic activity is as real as uh, today as it was in Jesus' day, but perhaps we don't see it as much. 
it is nevertheless very present. So let's start off today with our first point, and that is, who is Satan? Well, the name Satan is a Hebrew word that means adversary, right? His, his actual name is Lucifer, and he is simply a fallen angel, as are his demons. In Isaiah 14, uh, verse, verse 12, it says, "'How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You've been thrown down to the earth.'" For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. Now, obviously, um, Satan was created after the events of Genesis 1-1. That's when everything began to, to be created. But he was created uh, before he tempted Eve. In Ezekiel 28, it says, you were in Eden, the garden of God. I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned, so I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, O mighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride because of, because of all your beauty, your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. Satan is a created being far below Jesus, the creator. Satan is not God. He is not a God. He is not like God. He's not an evil version of God. People like to, uh, some, oftentimes they, they think that that Satan is similar in power to Jesus, that he's like the opposite side of the Jesus coin, and that they are, you know, uh, uh, two different sides of the force or whatever, and that they are in this, that locked into the spiritual tug of war for, for people's souls. Satan is simply a demon with higher rank than the minions that he commands. You know, he is powerful. Right, he is powerful. It, 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 this verse, God calls him the mighty guardian. He is powerful, but although he is powerful, he has limited power. Satan is not omniscient like God. Right, uh, God is all knowing. That means that's omniscient, and uh, and Satan cannot read minds. But in that in that verse that we just saw in Isaiah, God quoted what Satan said to himself. Right, because God knows. Satan's mind. He knows his heart. God is omniscient and he's omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere simultaneously. And Satan is not the same. He does not have those same qualities. Now, Satan can observe the physical world and, and he, can, he can, you know, draw conclusions based off of what he sees. He can scheme and he can plan and he can calculate. It says he's very proud of himself Ultimately, though, Satan and the demons are submissive and subservient to God. In, John, in 1 John 4, 4, it says, But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. The victory is already ours. You have already won a victory. The victory is already ours because 
the victory belongs to Jesus. And we'll talk about that here a little bit more here in a minute. But the authority of the demons, the, the, the power uh, the demons have is not the same as the power of the Holy Spirit. Guys, we don't, we don't need to live in fear of, of demons and the spiritual realm. Now, I don't, <clears throat> I don't think it's a good idea to go out and, and, and play with the demonic. Um, Michael the archangel didn't rebuke Satan without calling upon the name of Jesus. But as, as believers, we definitely don't need to live our lives in a state of fear of, of the demonic or of anything else. So we'll talk about this a little bit more later in this message, but we're going to talk about this more next week too when we hear uh, from Pastor Eric as he, as he explains the tools that God has given us to defend against Satan. But let's move on to our second point here and figure out what it is that we have to defend from. So let's, let's look at Satan's attack plan because understanding what, uh, you know, who the enemy is and, and, and what he's planning helps us to be able to build up the proper kind of defenses. It stands to reason um, that the commander in, in any battle will have a plan of attack, right? And Satan, Satan's, uh, he certainly does that. So like I said, we need to, uh, in order to build up those proper defenses, we need to really look at what it is that he does. How is it that he attacks us and, and, and what's his, his plan to try to get to us? <clears throat> well, the first part of this is that Satan is furiously opposed to God's work. Guys, this is his purpose. This is all that he does. It's, it's the only thing that he does and he does it continuously. In John 10.10, 10, it says the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. He's, Jesus is, he's, I mean, there's a, there's a contrast here. He's saying this is Satan's mission and here's my mission and they are opposite. Satan wants to steal your joy. Every opportunity that he can get, he wants to kill and destroy your hope. He's absolutely opposed to God's work in, in our lives. And I have seen this. I've seen this in my own life. You know, for months, I, I mentioned this in the, in the uh, announcements. For months, we've been working on, 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 you know, working on this building, right? Put in countless hours. We've been very excited um, to help Brigham City pursue this relationship with God, we want to be able to do that outside of, outside of these doors. And my family and I have spent countless hours here, as, as have a lot of you, working on this, on this building. We've been so excited to hold services here. We, and, and, then, and then ultimately for our grand opening next week. Um, many of you guys know that, that you know, my dad passed away just a couple of days after our first service here in this building. And that was really, that was tough. Right? It was a punch in the gut for me. I was, I was so joyful about where we were at um, as a church body and what we were going to do. And then I had this punch in the gut, this pain. And, and you know, but our, our family chose to praise God in that storm. We, we did. We had to talk ourselves through that and remind ourselves of that. And then as we prepared for this, this 
upcoming grand opening. It's been another opportunity for us to, to get past our pain that we had last month. And we were very excited coming up to this, this grand opening. And then again, as a lot of you know, last Friday, my, my little brother was in a terrible car crash that has changed the direction of his life. But I really truly believe with my whole heart that Jason is still going to have a rich and satisfying life. And so my family, although we've, we've had these opportunities for, to, to, to focus on pain or sadness or fear, we are still choosing to praise God in the storm. We're, we are not going to give Satan this foothold in our lives. You guys remember we talked about this in, in, in previous weeks about how Satan, he goes on the offensive in our lives to get these footholds so that he can set up defensively with strongholds, right? So that he can control us and he can keep us from growing closer to God. That's his goal he wants to do. In 1 John 3.8, it says, but when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. See, he wants, Jesus wants to be in relationship with us so that he can help us to break down those footholds um, in our life and break down those, those strongholds, right, where Satan has, has set up shop and he feels comfortably uh, he feels comfortable doing business from those places. The second part of this, guys, that we have to know about the attack plan is this. Satan is on the hunt for vulnerable Christians. <clears throat> so last week when Austin was up here, he was talking about this, and, and he talked about this, this weakness that we all have of our flesh, right? And we don't like that, that we have weaknesses. Sometimes we just deny that we have weaknesses. We don't want to admit that. We don't want to admit that we are vulnerable, but we have those, those weaknesses nonetheless, and Satan knows it. In fact, in, in 1 Peter 5.8, this, this verse just jumps out. It makes so much sense to me when we, when we talk about this. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around, excuse me, he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Now, you guys have seen nature shows, and, and, and you've seen those, you know, the, the, the lion crouching through the grass, right? When is it that the, that the lion attacks? He does it when, it's, when, it's, when his prey lets down its guard for just a second, right? When that, when that animal goes and puts its, its, its head down to the water to take a drink or to, to eat something off the ground or, or you know, whatever, it, it takes its attention off of, you know, where the lion is for just a second. And that's when it, it pounces. And that's what this is saying to us, right? <clears throat> Satan is continuously prowling around, waiting to pounce on us as we are vulnerable, to devour us. So we have to be diligent in our walk with, with Jesus. We have to be intentional as we pursue this relationship with God. We have to be consistent in this walk. This is why, guys, from the stage, you will oftentimes hear me or one of the other pastors talking about mentoring 
or talking about small groups. It's not because we just want to, you know, get the, the stats of, hey, we have X number of, of people doing this or X number of people, you know, doing that. It's not that. It's because of this. We know this. And we know that, that those two resources, as an example, mentoring and small groups, are a really good way for us to be diligent and to be intentional, to avoid that moment of vulnerability, right, where, where, where we, we, we stop looking for, for the attack and, and we, f- we find ourselves comfortable for just a moment and then we, we get pounced upon. So we, we, we promote those things to build those, those, those godly footholds and those godly strongholds in our lives. And I want you to do the same thing. I want you to, you know, I don't want you to go to church every once in a while. I want you to make going to church something that you do often. And, and it's, it's because it helps us to establish consistency. I want you to come and talk to me about finding a mentor. More, more to the point, I want you to come and talk to me about being a mentor for somebody else who's being surrounded, who's being prowled around, that, that, that everybody, we've all got these things in our lives, these traumas, these accidents, these, these emergencies, a lost job, a sick spouse, whatever it is, and Satan is waiting in those moments to pounce on us, to pounce on the person across the aisle from you right now or, or, or sitting in you know, two rows behind you or whatever it is. We need to be involved. We need to do life with other believers. The thing is, guys, Satan's greatest tool is deceit. Now, he's not very creative, right? He's been doing the same thing from the beginning. This is... That's because that's who he is, right? He is deceit. He's a liar and a deceiver. Guys, he's been using the same attack plan since the Garden of Eden. His very first attack was to convince Eve that she couldn't trust what God said. That's exactly the same thing that we're facing today, right? In John 8, 44... It talks about his character. It says, Satan has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Guys, he is always, always after us. We can see this attack on the, on the truth all around us every single day. There are blatant attacks on truth. People are vehemently opposed to the clear direction of God. And, and the thing is, is those people who are opposed to God, they don't even try to disprove the Bible. All they do is just tell you over and over and over and over again that you can't trust the Bible or that if you do trust the Bible, you're foolish or you, don't, you disbelieve science or you whatever else it is. They don't try to disprove it. They just make you think that you can't trust it. The answer is to learn that book, to pour your life into reading that into the reading the Bible, and to understanding what it says. How many of our our young ones are are being told that what God says in His Word is is hateful or that it's unloving? <clears throat> there are lots and lots of blatant attacks out there. But what about those attacks that aren't? 
as obvious. In 2 Corinthians 11, it says, These people are, fa- are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Think about this, guys. This is really important, okay? The, the tactic that Satan is using is, is to disguise himself as an apostle of Christ, disguising himself as an angel of light. What is that? What, what do you mean by an angel of light? It's something that appears to be good, but it isn't. It looks so close, but it simply isn't the same. I use this analogy all the time to tell people, this is the way I see it. Um, six o'clock, right? It's not, is it? It's, uh, we can, it's easy for us to, to look at this and say, oh, well, it's six o'clock, but it's actually 5.59. 5.59 is factually not six o'clock. It looks a lot like it. It seems really, really close. It's disguised as six o'clock, but it's not. See, when we, oftentimes when we think of Satan or, or things that are satanic in nature, you know, we think of things like, <clears throat> uh, I don't know, Ozzy Osbourne or something, right? We think of pentagrams on the, on the floor, or we think of candles, or we think of, you know, smoke and, 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 and altars and, you know, dead cats or something like that. We think of these things that are, that are crazy in opposition to the Bible, but in reality, Satan describes himself, or uh, uh, he, he camouflages himself, he disguises himself, that's the word I was trying to think of, he disguises himself as an angel of light. See, guys, this is God's word on the subject. Now, there have been many false prophets. There have been many false religions that have begun uh, with what is thought to be an angelic appearance, something that, that really looks good. But in 1 Timothy 4, Verse 1, it says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Guys, we cannot, we cannot listen to what the world tells us is truth. We have to actually look at the truth itself. And Jesus says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, it says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Not a similar likeness, the exact likeness, because Jesus is God and Satan isn't. So the third point here today that we're going to talk about is what's the solution to this? Well, the first part is the mission for Christians, okay? For Christians, um, every Christian can fight Satan and can fight demons. In Luke 10, verse 17, it says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Now, this, 
see, this isn't just relegated to pastors, right? This isn't just a, a thing for, for clergy to, to handle. It's not just the, the, the church leaders, the overseers or, or whatever, but that's what we see on TV, right? Every time there's some sort of a, a spiritual thing, a demonic thing or whatever, on TV we see a, you know, the, the, the priest in the black robe you know, come and he's got holy water or whatever it is. You know, and, and, and that's what we kind of think of as, as the way to fight the demonic. But that's not, that's not the case. It's, and this, this idea of, of fighting Satan isn't just relegated to casting out demons either but in destroying those footholds and those strongholds in our lives. That's what I was just talking about, this idea of mentoring. And, and you know, when I talk about mentoring, if you've not heard this from us, uh, us before, we're talking about discipleship, as Jesus calls us to in the, in the New Testament. Um, but that's what I was talking about, is it's helping each other through offering accountability in our, in our lives, right? In being involved in each other's lives and walking together in the pursuit of God. Guys, we can't just come to church, listen, and then go back to our homes and be in recluses, right? We can't, we can't say, well, you know, um, I'm an introvert, right? We, don't be an introvert. You don't get to be an introvert. I mean, I know you are, some of you are. Some people are that way. So stop, Right? So, so reach out. The, the great commission that, that we are supposed to do is to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. It's not go do it unless you're an introvert. Right? We have a responsibility to be involved in other people's lives. And that's the other part of our mission here is exactly that. The great commission that's laid out in Matthew 28 verse 18 um, and we have, a, we have a responsibility to go out and share the good news. That's what, the, that's what gospel means, is the good news of Jesus Christ from, to the ends of the earth, right? That's our, that's our job, and it's not just for clergy. It's not just for pastors or church leaders. It's for all believers. That's what we're supposed to do. It should be so relevant in our lives, so important in our lives, that you should, you know, like, I mean, I'm sort of saying this tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, I, I don't know why we don't have this in, you know, big vinyl letters in our living room, on our living room wall, right? Instead of live, laugh, love, or whatever else it is, right? Put, we should have the Great Commission. This is our job. As Christians, this is our job to go out and do that. So today, go home and take up needlepoint and put it into a pillow or something like that, right? And, and, but it, it should be something that is constant reminder. Um, I, was, I said in the first service, you could even go and get it tattooed on you, but I made that comment once before, and somebody went out and got a tattoo, and, and, uh, which, I, you know, I'm not saying that you know, here or there. I just didn't use that as an analogy on this one. But um, anyway, so that really should be something that we have as a, as a primary focus in our life, right? That, that this is we're not, we're not here to be observers, okay? Maybe that's a better way of putting it. We're not here to be observers. Now, we don't get to heaven but through our works, but when we are saved, when we, have, uh, when we are, are, are believers in Jesus Christ, when we call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, then we have work to do, right? Our salvation isn't dependent on it, but we do now have a job to do. 
And that is to go out and share that news. And that's how we also fight here in this situation. The other part of this solution, though, the ultimate answer here is that God's judgment is inescapable for Satan. You know, people sometimes have asked if Satan has the ability to, to repent and, and, you know, be forgiven. <clears throat> and I, I think there's, that's kind of an interesting question to know. Um, it's not something that we would ever be able to, to answer whether he, he could or couldn't, has the opportunity to or not. And the reason is, is because we already know the end of the story because we're, we're given that. In, Revelations, in Revelation 20, verse 10, it says, Then the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, guys, we, we sometimes get this impression that, um, that hell is Satan's kingdom, right? That that's the place that he rules over, as though he's going to be on the fiery throne uh, when people are in, in hell for eternity and that he'll be ruling there. That's simply not the case. Hell is the punishment for Satan. That's where he's going, Okay, he will, that's where he will be tortured and tormented and in misery for eternity. And that is the, the just price of introducing sin into a world that it never, ever belonged in and that God already had a plan to redeem. In Romans 16, it says, verse 20, it says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. See, guys, even in, in Satan's crowning achievement up here, his greatest attack plan ever, the death of Jesus, he walked right into an ambush. Jesus destroyed Satan's plan in one moment on the cross. In Colossians verse two, or excuse me, chapter two, verse 14, it says, He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. The sin that Satan brought into this world that, like I said earlier, has infected all of us from the moment we were, we were born was crushed it was absolutely wiped out by the cleansing blood of Jesus, who is God's perfect son. So guys, as we close here today, I want anybody who's, who's sitting here listening to this, who hasn't put their, their trust in, in Jesus yet, I want you to know that <clears throat> although, you, although you are a sinner, Right? No matter what kind of a, a life you've lived, you might think that you've lived a wonderful life and you know you give to charity and you and you take in, you know, orphan puppies and you know all this kind of stuff. Whatever that is, guys, if no matter what you think, you are a sinner and and, and that sin has separated you from God for eternity. That is simply a fact. But God loves you so much that he has already set in motion a plan for reconciliation despite Satan's best efforts of, of pushing sin in your life. But guys, I can't do it for you. 
I can't make the decision for you. Your wife can't make that decision for you. Your parents can't make that decision for you. Nobody else here can make that decision for you. In fact, there is, there is nothing that you can even do for yourself except to know that you are 100% absolutely, completely reliant on Jesus as a Savior. So if you guys are, if you're ready to make that decision today, if you're ready to stop letting Satan have these footholds that turn into these strongholds in your life, if you're ready to make that, that change, I hope that you would come and talk to me afterward. If you don't want to talk to me, that's fine. There's overseers here that would be happy to listen to you. There's other leaders here that would be happy to, to help you with this. You can call me through the week. I'm happy to talk with you about this. There, guys, there's no bigger decision in your entire life than this, to know where you are with Jesus. Okay, that's, that's my, my goal for you. So if you have questions, please, please come and talk to me. But let's pray. Lord God, I, I thank you for your victory. I thank you for your, your resounding victory over Satan and, and, his, and his, his plan to destroy your beautiful creation. And, and uh, Lord, I, I can't, I can't uh, uh, say it enough how, how honored, um, how, how amazing it is that even in our, in our, in our sin and in that, that disgusting sin that we all have, that you would love us so much that you would be willing to, to, to sacrifice something so amazing as your son to be reconciled with us. It is beyond my human comprehension. So Lord, as, as we leave here today, there's somebody here in the room that, that is, is struggling with this, that's battling with this idea that, that they've never fully uh, accepted you as their savior, but they're here because they have questions and, and they want to be able to get rid of these footholds, to get rid of these strongholds that are in their life. And, and they came here hoping that they would hear an answer. So Lord, I just ask that you would convict that heart whoever that is, to, to come talk with me, to talk to somebody, to reach out to me during the week, or even if they, even if they sneak out before we can talk to them, Lord, that, that you would put resources in their life, somebody that would help them to have this conversation so they know the path forward, that they would know that they cannot run from you, Lord, but that you are the God of the universe and you are the God of our lives, and we want you to set up and... and, and uh, and, and be at home in our hearts. Lord, we love you. We hope you are glorified through this message and through this last song. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.